You are now listening to the Griot's Black Podcast Network, Black Culture Amplified. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of Dear Culture here on the Griot Black Podcast Network. I'm your host, Panama Jackson, and today we have an extra special episode. We are joined by two other hosts of shows here at the Griot Black Podcast Network because we're going to talk about something that is... uh, I want to say beloved, but I think, I don't know that that's true, though I do think more recently, the joy, the participation, the engagement for it is at an all-time high. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking Kwanzaa with Christina Greer, host of The Blackest Questions, and Michael Harry of The Griot Daily. We're talking Kwanzaa, ladies and gentlemen. How are you all doing today? No complaints, Panama. I'm, I'm with I'm with my two Griot siblings. I'm happy as a clam. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like this is uh, like when the cousins get to spend the night. Uh, <laughs> Look, that's all we time. can ask for. You got a Wu-Tang shirt on, which makes everything even more fun. I almost wore one today myself, but I decided not to, thank goodness, or it would look extra, extra something. I don't know. But we're here to talk Kwanzaa because uh, it's almost Christmas time, and I feel like in the past few years, the fervor around Kwanzaa has grown some when I was young. I don't remember anybody celebrating it. Uh, now I feel like I see Instagram and Facebook and Twitter feeds full of people celebrating Kwanzaa, and I don't know exactly what to do with this, but I think it's kind of awesome. So I kind of wanted to talk to you all just about Kwanzaa in general, your thoughts, feelings, thoughts, prayers, concerns, and all that. But before we get into that, I have one important question. Did you celebrate Kwanzaa? Christina, did you celebrate Kwanzaa? No, not growing up. We knew it was there, but we didn't, we didn't celebrate. And where are you from again? I was raised in Philly. Born in New York, but raised in Philly. All right. And Michael, you're like a Kwanzaa expert, right? Yeah, I come from a a Kwanzaa community, man. It's just like a guy who owned a funeral home in my hometown. I don't know when he started it. Uh, He had a Kwanzaa celebration every year, and the Deltas would give away a bike on the last day. But uh, because my family didn't celebrate break, Christmas, we were always a Kwanzaa family, but like my whole neighborhood would be at the Kwanzaa thing. So I didn't know that it was not really widely known until I was older. So I never celebrated Kwanzaa growing up. I don't remember ever talking about Kwanzaa. I heard about Kwanzaa, uh, I think when I was in middle school, when I went to middle school in Frankfurt, Germany, we had somebody come talk to us about I don't exactly know what he came to talk to us about, but I remember hearing Kwanzaa mentioned for the first time. So I always assumed we didn't celebrate it because I was from down south. But, I mean, you're from down south, Michael. So um, I find that interesting. I did, however, celebrate Kwanzaa for the first time the year, uh, the Christmas before last. I decided to, to, to jump into Kwanzaa full tilt. And I want to talk a little bit about that. But, Christina, you said you all you heard about Kwanzaa but you all didn't celebrate it. Was that just a family thing, like, as a whole? Or, like, was Kwanzaa yeah. happening? You're in Philly, I imagine. Oh, yeah. yeah I imagine Philly's, it's everywhere. Philly, it's everywhere. But just in our family, we we always celebrated Christmas. I mean, I knew about, you know, I saw the candles. Now, mind you, I went to a Quaker school that had a, a large Jewish population. So, like, the Kwanzaa candles, candles and the Hanukkah candles always reminded me of, like, the same candles. I was like, oh, the Kwanzaa candles are just red, black, and green, and my friend's Hanukkah candles are just, you know, it's like seven and seven. Um, <laughs> but then it was just, you know, I loved saying Kuji Chakalia. Like, I knew what the days were. You know, it's like Nia and, um, wait, now I'm blanking on them, um, 
and Umoji and Ujama. So it's like, I, I remember, I usually get like four out of the seven, but we never... Um, we never celebrated except for one one Christmas. My mom's cousin, who owns the Great Blacks and Wax Museum in Baltimore, she and her husband founded that and came and spent a Christmas with us. And they were just sort of like, so are you all not celebrating Kwanzaa? And we're like, no. I mean, I mean, I was like, if you want to give us some gifts, I'm down. But um, you know, they were essentially like, it's more than gifts. It's not just basically like seven days after Christmas of gift giving. It's a time to reflect. So last year was the first time that I read up on it just because I did this kind of um, bingo card where it was just uh, for the month of February, it sort of gave you some ideas. So, you know, you're supposed to like join a black bank and like, you know, read a black author and support an HBCU. So it gave you all these things that you could do, you know, learn about a black musician, learn about a black scholar. And so one of the things was, you know, to, to celebrate Kwanzaa. So I ended up just at least spending the days reflecting on the various tenets of Kwanzaa, but I didn't, I didn't buy the candles. I didn't, you know, coordinate with my friends, um, so maybe, I mean, I might be inspired. I mean, I, I've got a niece who's of age who should be, you know, thinking about something other than Christmas. So like you, you slightly committed, you almost there. Like you, you I'm looked into there. it, but you didn't get the Canara, the candles and none of that stuff. Oh, I didn't even know it was called a Canara. Yeah, you, yeah you're okay. still on the I need to do some research. <laughs> I need to do now, some Michael, you grew up celebrating Kwanzaa. Do you still do that now? Like, do you don't do you still not celebrate Christmas, but celebrate Kwanzaa? Well, uh, I celebrate Christmas. I, mean, I don't know if I celebrate Christmas. Um, like, so I would uh, like I was working with the Boy Scouts, so I had to like go get a tree because my son was like volunteering with the Boy Scouts. So I don't know if I ever celebrated Christmas, but um, I still celebrate Kwanzaa because like my family still does the gifts and stuff like. So, you know, everybody will be still shopping uh, back home for Kwanzaa gifts. And, like, so my family is coming to stay with me, for instance, for Thanksgiving. And, like, I had to whole, create a whole game plan for my sister because, like, she's one of those Black Friday people, but she goes and does it uh, for Kwanzaa instead of Christmas. So, like, I still do it. Um, because my family does like, how are you going to step out of the Kwanzaa tradition and just like say, I ain't getting no gifts this year. Um, but we buy gifts instead of making them a lot of times. So yeah, I still celebrate in my family. So, okay. I, I remember I wrote this article a couple of years ago about celebrating Kwanzaa for the first time, I guess almost two years ago now, because I had spent so much time kind of mocking Kwanzaa and clowning it. But it's like all of a sudden we got we hit this new wave of like black power, black cultural consciousness and all this stuff. You know, every shirt that I was buying came from a black store. You know, I was trying to spend my money where I could. And when I started doing that, it almost knocked every single reason I had that was anti-Kwanzaa, like mm -hmm. off the table to the point where I had to really genuinely think about how and like, why do I not do this? Right. Like, why am I if I'm as pro black as I claim to be? Why am I out here pretending like this ain't part of it? or can't be part of it. You know what I'm saying? And I remember seeing like some Instagram posts of somebody like from a store here in DC, like was selling uh, Kwanzaa kits. So I went out and bought a Kwanzaa kit. And, you know, I told my wife, like, yo, I think we're gonna celebrate Kwanzaa this year. And she, you know, my wife is African. 
So she's even more like uh, <laughs> curious about all these things. Like, oh, look at you all. But we decided to do it. And as I'm, as we're like engaging in the, the seven day practice, of, you know, we're sitting around talking about it, having these discussions, even with the little kids. I'm like, I don't know why I never did this. Like, it, it doesn't really require much of me. Like, I'm not, we haven't gone to any, um, there's no funeral homes for me to go, go hang out at to celebrate Kwanzaa that I know of yet. But, you know, I'm kind of, it's so interesting because I don't, I feel like we, there's still a bunch of black people who are kind of anti-Kwanzaa or view it as like a competition of Christmas. And it's like, if you do one, you can't do the other, or just like a lot of us do when we don't understand something, we just like don't want nothing to do with it. But I really think Kwanzaa is probably one of the blackest things that you can do. And it's 100% celebration. Like, why do y'all think more people don't celebrate Kwanzaa or aren't more invested in trying to celebrate Kwanzaa? I mean, Panama, that I think it exists. Yeah, I think you tapped into something because, you know, I grew up in a, I grew up in a very black household. You know, my parents are both Greeks. You know, we grew up, even though I went to white schools and white neighborhoods, it was like blackity black people in the house all the time, black art, black music. You know, it was like, you are black. You will not do what, <laughs> what these white kids do. I mean, it was very clear. But when it came to Kwanzaa, it was just sort of like, ah, hey, you know, we're, we already have Christmas. So it was, it was just sort of, we had our thing. We don't need this extra thing. But Michael wrote a piece that I read. Michael wrote, you wrote this a while back for another publication we won't name. But, you know, the excuse that, that people always say is like, oh, it's a made-up holiday. And you wrote, well, every holiday is a made-up holiday. <laughs> like, So I'm I'm curious, is, is it because Kwanzaa's a more recent made-up holiday? But it's like, you know, we celebrated Sweetest Day and Valentine's Day in school. Like, those are completely made up, and they're, they're recent as well. They're just money-making schemes. So I think that there's... The root of your question, Panama, I feel like there's just a lot of anti-Blackness that Black people have. And sometimes we know we have it, sometimes we we don't know we have it. But, like, when it comes to Kwanzaa in particular, there's something that's, like, folks, like, make fun of it because it's like, oh, now we got the mud cloth and you're going to give me some berries and, you know, it's just, like, coins or whatever it may be. But I think it's... Um, I think it's time for us to kind of investigate why it is, and maybe it's a generational thing for those of us who grew up kind of Gen Xers, you know, why it is that some of our parents who were very invested in making sure we knew we were Black and, like, had Black friends and were in Black spaces were sort of agnostic when it came to Kwanzaa. Um, but the more I think about it, the more I am excited to kind of tap into some of these principles, especially in this moment, like, with COVID, with kind of feeling that I want to connect with Black people, feeling like Black people are, you know, the older you get, it's like the tenants that my dad said, you know, growing up, it's like, if you're ever in a jam, then do two things. It's like, you know, it wasn't find a police officer. It's like, find an Omega. So it's like, look for somebody who has on purple and gold. If you can't find an Omega, then you find a Black person like a Greek black person. If you can't find just a Greek person, then just find a black person. But it was literally, he was very clear. It's like, if you ever need anything, say, like, find somebody in purple and gold. If you can't, then find a Kappa, an Alpha, or a Sigma. And if you can't find them, then just like find a black person and like black people, we we will stick together. Like it's it's not sadly 100% of the case, but like lean, lean in that direction always. And so growing up in a household where that's the foundation, but then also when it comes to Kwanzaa, it's like, yeah, we're not doing berries and fruits and mud cloth. But I'm I'm curious, you know, now I'll be with my family for Thanksgiving. Now I'm going to ask my parents what it was about Kwanzaa that made them just not that interested in bringing up their two daughters in what seems like a pretty dope tradition. Yeah, I mean, 
you know, I, I read all of, you know, Michael wrote like this series of Kwanzaa articles about this. I mean, it's, it effectively sounds like, like church revival, like seven days a week, just with like a canara candles, like with, with, it's not Jesus necessarily. It's just these black principles that really, I mean, they're, they're black because they use Swahili words to point them out, but they're really just a bunch of principles that you can literally just abide by as a community that seems like it would be fairly dope to do, to spend like seven days actually investigating that as a family or as a community and how you can be better at those things, right? Like, is that what it was for y'all, Michael? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's weird to hear me, for me to hear people talk about Kwanzaa, like in relation to Christmas, because like I've never kind of associated Kwanzaa with like, you know, a replacement for Christmas or substitute Christmas. It was just, and but I also didn't associate it with, and this is might sound strange, with with blackness, right? Hmm. I just thought it was something, and I knew everybody didn't do it because like it was no Kwanzaa movies or anything like that. But I just associated with something that like my town or my community did, right? So in the South, uh, they're usually during the spring. They're like every town has this festival, and it's named after something in that town or that town's history, like my the, the Sweet Potato Festival and the town next to me had the Egg Scramble. But I thought it was kind of like that. Like, I, it wasn't associated with blackness as much it was, as it was associated with my community in my mind when I look back on it, right? So, and, and it wasn't even really churchy, right? Um, aside from, like, we would have a Kwanzaa choir that we practiced all during Kwanzaa because we were going to sing on the last day, right? And because it was faith, right? Um, but other than that, it was like um, on collective work, when you're talking about collective work and responsibility, like everybody would do um, the Habitat for Humanity project where you just go out there and you'd be out there all day chasing people with hammers, <laughs> um, you know? <laughs> It was just like a bunch of fun. So um, to me, it was a holiday, like it was a tradition, but it wasn't necessarily like about blackness as much as it was like, oh, this is how you keep your community thriving or surviving or whatever it was. It was like, you know, I don't know if we paid attention to the deeper meaning as a child, um, but... I think it worked because it kind of, you know, rubbed off. Like, you know, when people in my neighborhood had to go uh, use a caterer, they went to a black caterer because, you know, of the principles that we were kind of ingrained in us as children. We're going to take a real quick break and we're going to come back. You mentioned something, Michael, that I really want to, like, tap into. Um that I think is really important and central to this conversation about Kwanzaa and why probably people don't do it or don't celebrate it or those of us don't know what we're doing. So we're going to take a real quick break here on Dear Culture. We'll be right back. All right, we're back here on Dear Culture. We're talking Kwanzaa. I'm joined by Christina Greer and Michael Harriet, two of my uh, uh, podcast co-hosts here at uh, the Griot Black Podcast Network at the Griot. And we're talking Kwanzaa. And Michael, you said something really interesting in that last segment, which was effectively that 
because the way that you grew up, Kwanzaa was just a part of life, right? Like, so people, it sounded to me like you grew up in a place where Kwanzaa was so normed that it wasn't this special to do. Like, people are trying to make it now when you try to jump into it, right? So you grew up, y'all had, you know, for this particular day, you would do this and that. And it was just fun and all this stuff. And meanwhile, I'm thinking about it in the sense of, all right, I'm going to celebrate Kwanzaa. I got to find a way to specifically do cooperative economics this day and talk about it. Like, it sounds like when you when you come up in a place where something is ingrained in the culture, it's a much easier thing. You just do it. You go do it. You kind of understand what's going on. When you have people who are introduced to something and trying to get into something, like, we tend to overdo it. We get extreme with it. You know, next thing you know, people are showing up in dashikis and, you know, trying to trying to give themselves new names, you know, because they don't know what they're doing. It becomes kind of, um, I don't know how else to say this, it. kind of like what we think white people would do if they start jumping into these black spaces. Like you try to create the blackness, but when you said that it wouldn't, you didn't associate it with blackness, I thought that was really deep because it's just like, that's just what we did. And I think that's probably why it's important if you, when you jump into these things to find a space that's already doing something that's established so you don't go out and try to create something that looks ridiculous because you don't know what it is you're supposed to be doing. So I really liked it. I like that yeah. idea of it because... You know, I think... Yeah, like, I don't wear... Um, I cook out on the 4th of July, but I'm not wearing an American flag shirt or thinking of really about, like, the Founding Fathers or the Declaration of Independence or, you know, like... Or, you know, in... Like, as, as much as we talk about Christmas, like, I don't really think most people... Like, it's about the gifts, right? Like, I don't think most people, until they're really adults are really get into Christianity. Think about, like, the gift of the newborn son to the world. Like, it's about, like, it's about the traditions and what the people in your house are doing on Christmas. You think about Thanksgiving as, you know, Turkey Day, right? right. Um, and that's how I think about Kwanzaa. And, and, you know, later you might think about, like, giving thanks or what Christ gave to the world or what the Declaration of Independence means. But it's because you had those principles ingrained in your tradition from an early age. Yeah, I I feel inspired to try to figure out a way to kind of norm it in my house. So my kids like get used to it as just something we do, right? Like it's not, it's not something that, oh, here they come with the Kwanzaa stuff again. Here we got to go do this nonsense. Everybody sit down at the table, light a candle. Like I want it to be something, like I guess I got to find a community of people that do it. So what I tried to do when I first started celebrating was I, I reached out to one of my best friends. I'm like, bro, I'm going to do Kwanzaa this year. You should do Kwanzaa this year too. And he's like, all right, and just, just to hedge my bet, I bought, like, a second Kwanzaa kit, and I gave it to the homie, so I took away any resistance or hesitation. I made sure that he didn't have to go out and find one himself, right? That's in the Kwanzaa kit. Oh, man. In the Kwanzaa kit, I should have put one on display. That's what my first thought was, but I got to go into my storage and pull it out, but it had, like, the Kanara, had the seven candles. Um, it had, like, a little, um, a little mat like a little uh, mat to put the canara on. I mean, it's effectively just the candles. There is some corn in there. I don't really know what the corn was for. Um, I, I, I wasn't display, sure. Right in front of the canara. 
Okay. All right. So that's what we did with it, but I'm glad because I didn't know what else to do with this thing. Um, it did come with a booklet that explained Quans and the principles and like how, like what day you do each thing and stuff like that and, and how to, you know, how to, I guess, do your own at home little small ceremony, whatever. But, you know, it was interesting because when we set this thing up, for one, it's very nice decoratively. You know, it's red, black, and green. That joint looks looks awesome in a black house when you, like, set that lighting right up against, like, your your, your photo of, like, James Baldwin in the back kind of thing. You know, like, it's it's got, it's kind of dope. I mean, it's, I want to figure out how to, like I said, norm it for my family and for my kids because I do think there's immense value to be had in celebrating like these seven principles and just talking about how they can impact our life in a more substantial way. You know what I mean? Like just to, yeah. I mean, because the seven principles are something that we all could and should be thinking about, especially, uh, you know, now that I'm inspired, like, especially after kind of the abundance, it's not even abundance, sometimes like the overindulgence of Christmas, you know, just this constant consumerism of Christmas. It's nice to kind of sit back and think about purpose and community and creativity and sort of the the tenets that don't involve hyperspending uh, because, you know, there's, there's not just Black Friday, but now there's like, you know, Black Thursday and Tech Tuesday and like all these other ways for us to like spend money as opposed to spending time with community. So I think that's, I like this idea of kind of like slowing it down and getting back to a foundation. If somebody was to say, listen, I'm interested in celebrating Kwanzaa this year. How do I get started? Like, what should I do to to, to get my Kwanzaa on this year? Yeah, I think instead of like thinking or trying to go deep into the principles, like do something with the principles that like kind of caters to your family. Like, for instance, like here's the thing. Like, everybody in my neighborhood who could rap or sing or like dance or do anything on Kumba Day, they were go- like they had a talent show, right? So every like I'm a dance in the Kumba show or or I'm a rap or rap in the Kumba show. What did you um, do in the Kumba show, Michael? Well, I, I always, um, so I, my family had like a little band and my all my cousins played uh, drums and instruments. But I did rap in the Kumba Day. Um, I had a rap group, uh, me and my best friend, we, we rapped in the Kumba Day uh, show. I'm sorry, um, you, you can't, you got to stop right there. What was the rap group name and is there any of this on tape? Yes. Um, I, so I literally was ha- having this conversation with one of my friends a couple of weeks ago, cause he says that he has a tape, um, of, uh, cause we, first of all, I want to point out that we did win the Kumba show, um, came in first place, um, in the Kumba show. You know, I think I have, uh, that on my resume, um, but uh, my crew was named El Crew, um, which in Spanish means the crew, uh, and that that was back when uh, you know, uh, you know, Spanish was real big in hip hop, but um, yeah, so we would do that, and then um, <laughs> like they would take the little kids out in the vestibule and the art because we had a our art teacher, 
um, in my neighborhood was black. So she would, like, do finger painting. That's the first time I ever saw the people make the uh, turkeys with the hands. Like, they did all that on Kumba Day. So stuff like that, man. Um, like, there was always some... They were, like, the adults would vie to be, like, the the um, most successful um, person because, you know, the the, pers- the most successful person in the neighborhood, they would come and speak on Nia Day, right? And I remember when this dude, um, he bought this car dealership, and it was like, oh, we know he going to be uh, the speaker on Nia Day. So it was stuff like that, right? Like, I don't even know if we was like, this is uh, about self-determination or this is about purpose, we were just kind of, those activities were kind of ingrained in, oh, this is what we're going to do on this day. Or, or, and we would sometimes come up with new activities. But, you know, really everybody was there for that last day when, they, uh, when the Deltas gave away that bike. <laughs> this is see, great. I, I like, I, I see, I like that idea of it where it's just such a part of the community that, like every like you have a, a a talent show on Kumba Day, like everybody knows to show up. Like you get ready for that kind of thing, right? Like it's something you probably prepare for well in advance. You don't wait till the day after Christmas to get ready to go, right? Like it's something that you think about. Like it's just such a part of what's happening. And I guess I gotta figure out how to do that. Like I like that idea. Like instead of sitting around talking about purpose and unity and all that, you find a, an activity or something that genuinely like celebrates that. And if you end up talking about it during the course of that, I guess that makes sense, but you're doing something that actually speaks to those different pieces of it. But I think that's also something you get with experience because if you've never done this before and you buy a Kwanzaa kit, you know, you open that Kwanzaa kit on the day after Christmas. So you like, all right, well, I got my kit out. Let me lay everything out. I do it. I light this candle. All right. So what are we supposed to do? Okay. We, all right, y'all let's, Unity, what does that mean to y'all? All right, like you, you know, you're kind of doing like a dollar store version of it where you seem to have, y'all had like the uh, fully fleshed out version, like the, the societal norm version of it. Like it, there would be like recruiting for crews. Like if you were the best singer in the neighborhood, they, they would be fighting over you. To, hey, you should be on our, in our group during our, on, on, uh, on Nia Day or... Like or, or it was it was just kind of ingrained in you in those kinds of activities. Like people have little talent shows and they ask people to be singing on the steps. You know, I think those kinds of traditions kind of ingrain the meaning and not vice versa. Like the meaning determines what you're gonna do. It was like, oh, this is you know, Kumba Day. We're gonna sing. So I, I think it is and I think it's really kind of the, the, the great thing about Kwanzaa to me is it's it's kind of takes those purpose that takes that purpose uh, and those principles and ingrains them in you, not just as a thought but as an action. Like you do something and you know why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the the interesting thing about uh, Kwanzaa and Kwanzaa celebrations. I feel like. You've given me some ideas. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to pull off a, a, a talent show this year, but I can put that on the books for the homies next year. Like, but like gathering, I'm actually might look for like a Kwanzaa celebration. I'm in DC. There's got to be Kwanzaa celebrations. I mean, come everywhere. on, Buzzboys are poets. I'm sure. I mean, listen, you got your own little Jackson Four. You know, like you can put together <laughs> your do. own little group. 
<laughs> you know, but forget about the Jackson 5. We got the Jackson 4 2.0. So there are lots of things. I'm usually traveling, but I, I'm thinking about ways that I can do like a portable, portable Kwanzaa. So let me ask you a question, Michael. Was it, you were in a small town in South Carolina. You're, I think you're, you're close to Florence, right? Like, do, was this, do you yes. know if this was like, com- like you all celebration, this kind of stuff was common all over the place? Like South Carolina, I've always viewed as one of the blackest states. I know it's one of the few states that had like a majority black population at one point. Like there's a ton of black history. So maybe is it, do you think that perhaps where you're from, the the historical like import of the state kind of lends itself to this type of stuff? Like, did, do you know that if people, did everybody you grow up with from other places, or whatever, like, was everybody doing this? So I don't know if everybody was doing this because like my cousins, I think I, think I wrote about a story where like all of my cousins were staying with us for Kwanzaa because they, you know, they love the Kwanzaa thing too. But I know they did it in like nearby towns because like one of my stories was about like going to Florence to see my cousin. Like I got a rich family legacy, man. My cousin won the Kumba uh, talent show in his town and I snuck out of the, I got in trouble for sneaking out of the house to watch my cousin's group sing a rendition of BBD um, at the, and win their Kumba show. So um, I know people around in nearby towns also did it. I don't know if theirs was as big as that. Their talent show was actually bigger bigger than our talent show because it was a bigger town. But, um, I, I, again, I thought it was something like it was a community thing, like, ooh, I'm going to go to the Florence Kumba show this year because uh, my cousin is performing in it. So... Again, I thought it was like a neighborhood thing, like neighborhoods get together and do have Kwanzaa celebrations, like neighborhoods get together and go caroling, as far as I know. I, like, I thought that was something people did for Christmas because I saw that on TV, right? So I thought, I ain't never seen nobody going around with ad hoc choirs singing door-to-door uh, in my neighborhood, but I saw a bunch of people fighting over Kumba Day uh, groups. So it was just like how I grew up. You know, I've just been inspired to write an article about songs that pop and black popular songs that could also be Kwanzaa carols. Like uh, LL Cool J Paradise, for instance. You know, and, well, that doesn't really work. He has one line in there that works. But I'm going to have to spend some time thinking about songs that actually fit the specific, like, I don't know, like, there got to be songs about cooperative economics. We just don't call it that, you know, just, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to spend some time on this. I, it was a half-baked thought idea that I just had with this. We're going to take a real quick break and come back because I have another question for you both about Kwanzaa and uh, where we go from here, here on Dear Culture. All right, we're back here on Dear Culture. We're still talking Kwanzaa with Christina Greer and Michael Harriet, and I have a couple questions. So we, well, let's. I want to start. I'm going to come back to to Kwanzaa Caroling because I got to think a little bit more about some of the songs. And and I learned on the break that there actually was a Kwanzaa Carol, and I want Michael to sing it for us. I don't know if he's going to pull that off or not, but I have a more general question about Kwanzaa and Black culture at this point. You know, I I opened the show talking about how. In the past couple of years, I think like this, we're in this new era of like black power, black consciousness. 
And I feel like people are more invested and interested in like black joy and black celebration than we were when I was growing up. Not that it didn't exist, but like the outward display, the active, like the intentional part of it seems to be a constant now. Christina, do you think that the the environment, the climate is ripe for Kwanzaa to kind of make the leap into mainstream blackness? Like, do you think it could? I think I mean, it, it could. doesn't seem like it took much to get you over the hump to being inspired by it. Yeah. Like, well, I just think, you know, maybe because social media and COVID have brought together so many different types of folks. You know, when we were all home, it kind of brought down a lot of walls, not just between celebrities and non-celebrities. But I think that there's been like some really interesting class conversations that have been going on. And there's some like, obviously I talk about this in Black Ethnics, but like diasporic conversations going on. And sometimes they're a little uneasy. But you know, just for example, like the day that Black Twitter met Irish Twitter, right? Uh, And you know, (laughs) when the queen died, sadly. Um, But that was like, that was Jamaican Twitter, you know, like that was the Caribbean Blacks, that was the continent of Africa Blacks, and it was Black Americans, all had something to say about England uh, and the UK more broadly. And it was like, oh, it is like meeting your long lost cousins. And it was feeling like a little sleepover-esque. Like, you know, this is, this fits. So I'm excited just because I do think that some of it is wrapped in, you know, that kind of like, ah, this fake Kente cloth holiday, like we don't really know that that part it kind of felt you know it felt like it felt like that episode of good times when Thelma was dating the African dude and they all had jokes but it just it felt fake you know it just felt like she was kind of trying on something that wasn't real um and that's what Kwanzaa initially felt like I think for me and a lot of uh, the people that were in my set growing up but this just feels like you know I think as Michael said it's not just about the words and memorizing the, the principles, but like putting them into practice. And I think a lot of us are interested in building community. I think a lot of us, you know, we saw this with, with during lockdown, like the creativity of black folks, not just online, but you know, when people were like making things or making masks or just making whatever it was to sell. And we were really clear. It's like, we got to support our own. Cause if we don't, then who does? So, you know, this, this larger movement of, you know, even buying black. So I'm I'm excited because I think the journey that I'm on that I've been on for a long time is like to just constantly build community with black people. And I'm very clear. I tell this to my students, my colleagues, everybody. I'm like, there are two things I care about in this world, cities and black folks. And so it's like I study cities because cities usually have black folks. But like at the end of the day, I care about all different types of black folks. So this is just another another way to build community and build connection with black folks. And I mean, if I could learn something, I could learn something. Uh, I mean, I it, it is interesting. I feel like I want to have the conversation with your wife about Kwanzaa because, you know, so much of Kwanzaa, I think, is rooted in this, like, African identity that is important and is connected that can sometimes feel a little forced or strained, but, like, it's still worthy of detangling and, and having a conversation about. Yeah, my wife definitely didn't believe in Kwanzaa. So uh <laughs> she's like, what is this? It's not right. a thing you believe in. Let's 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 think. You it's not a thing you believe in. Like you don't believe in the fourth of July or Thanksgiving. Like you don't believe in those things. It's a tradition that you celebrate. Like I don't 
No, well, I think so what you're saying though, I think is where a lot of people just get lost with it. I don't I don't know if the messaging for Kwanzaa just hasn't quite like landed the way that it needs to, or if all the people we see, like the outward displays of quote unquote Kwanzaa have been a turnoff for some people. Like I genuinely am curious about why more black people don't celebrate because everything that you said makes so much sense. It's a tradition, celebration, finding ways to be intentional about some of the things that you're doing in the community. It's community-centric. It's a community event. It's like a seven-day community event at that, right? Like, it's basically a week-long celebration of, you know, whatever you turn it into. So I'm just, I don't, I don't understand why in the world it's so difficult to get, or why I say so difficult, but I guess I just, I don't understand why this isn't more of a thing, that has already been in play like i just i guess i don't know if like the founder you know i don't know if ron karanga was the issue like people like i don't mess with buddies so i'm out on that like i don't know i'm just i i'm just i'm I'm curious like do you think michael that this is a good time to try to get more people invested in into kwanzaa because of how black we all seem to be uh how intentional we all seem to be with our blackness nowadays yeah, I think it could be just like like Juneteenth, right? Once you knew it was ex- it existed and what it meant, then you could get into it. And I think Kwanzaa is the same way because, I mean, if there is such a thing as believing in Kwanzaa, then I think black people, all black people believe in Kwanzaa. Everybody believes in self-determination and purpose and creativity. Like, So I think kind of... Doing, being intentional about doing things that you already believe in um, or s- setting aside a time to be purposeful about doing things you believe in is easy. Um, and I don't know if it has to be even elevated. Like, to me, it's kind of like a like a high school homecoming or something like that. Like, it, is, it could be, it doesn't have to be a thing that you always did. It, it could just be a community thing or a family thing or a group thing. Um, so, yeah, I think it is the time. It's the perfect time to do it. You're going to, um, you know, pick a Kwanzaa playlist of carols um, that we're going to put on Spotify. I'm tasking you with this, by the way, um, that is going to, ex- uh, that explains all of the, or not even explains, right, just exemplifies all of the Kwanzaa principles. So look for that Panama playlist coming up soon. And we're going to do it, man. Let's do it. Listen, I'm all for this. I'm genuinely, like, since I said that out loud, I've been in my brain trying to come up with seven songs that I could say here to just show how witty I am with my music knowledge. And I can't do it because I have to really spend some time thinking about it. But you also mentioned that there was a Kwanzaa carol that y'all sang at the end of, like, at the end of Kwanzaa. What was the Kwanzaa carol? You ain't got to sing it necessarily, though. I would love. I would to love see that. that. I would, I would love, that. love that. But what are the words to the so, Kwanzaa Carol? So yeah, so the Kwanzaa Carol was um, written by uh, Rosalie Hunter, who um, was also like she sound she sang like Mahalia Jackson, and she would, uh, you know, she would lure us into choir practice every year with cupcakes that had candy in the middle of the cupcakes. Right, um, and if you, you could only get one if you came to Kwanzaa choir practice, and on the last day they would have a, um, a all of the choirs of all of the churches would come for the last day, right, for faith. But 
the Kwanzaa Choir, the kids' Kwanzaa Choir, would, you know, be the, like, the closing act, and we would sing the Kwanzaa Carol. And it was basic, like, it was so simple, because it was just the, it goes, we are celebrating Kwanzaa, yeah, yeah, we are celebrating Kwanzaa, yeah, yeah, we are celebrating Kwanzaa, and all the principles. And then each, they would, she would pick out seven kids, and they would be like a half a, sing a half a solo. Like, Umoja is unity. And then that, the next, you know, then you'd sing that first verse again, and then the next, you'd sing out the next day. But um, that was the Kwanzaa Carol, man. Um, and... I, man, I love that song, man. I I could not wait every year to be on that Kwanzaa, uh, Kids Kwanzaa uh, Choir Boy. That was, I mean, it was mostly about the cupcakes, but um, there is, besides Teddy Pendergrass, Rosalie Hunter, uh, I think she probably made the first Kwanzaa Carol. I feel like I got to go on, like, one of these streaming services and just type in Kwanzaa and see what comes up. Because I feel like there's got to be songs. Like, in fact, I, you know, because I have little children, I often, I often try to find songs that both my kids can enjoy, but also like have some 808 to them. And I feel like there was a song recently released by one of those like, um, like Racy's Corner or something like that. That was like a Kwanzaa, a Kwanzaa song. I feel like that just happened. I hope I don't make. I hope I don't think I'm making it up, but I don't have to look into that because I feel like. I, this goes back to my, I feel like it's just like the time is ripe for uh, more intentional displays of blackness and Kwanzaa seems to fit right into that. I, I, I'll give you one more little tidbit. Like the, I have a friend who was in the Kumba Day uh, talent show one day, uh, one year, and it was a girl rap group and they did a rendition of Queen Latifah's U-N-I-T-Y, but they did U-M-O-J-A <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I have, that's yeah, solid. I have too that's many Kwanzaa stuff. Panama, put okay. that on the playlist. Yeah. That's solid. I was I as yeah. soon as you said Queen Latifah, I was like, you and I T Y right there. <sighs> right there. It was just waiting. It was just sitting there waiting. Man. Well, I mean, I right. think this dovetails beautifully into, you know, my very first op-ed that didn't get published um was a tribute to Queen Latifah and the brilliance and genius that she is as a rapper, singer, actress, crossover model talk show host, all the things in Panama. I know you just wrote like a Queen Latifah post, but I mean, I feel like we don't talk about Queen Latifah enough. Like she, I mean, the fact that we can say you and ITY and it's like Queen Latifah and you're talking about unity in the nineties, like in a, in a just a totally different plateau than anybody else. Ugh, I love this woman. Not surprised. Well, surprisingly that Queen Latifah article gets shared like every week, every week I get some Twitter notification of somebody else sharing that Queen Latifah article. Like that thing is traveling. Like, well, I'm not saying it's doing brilliant. millions, but it just she's keeps brilliant. every week. Yeah. And, but here's the crazy thing. I wanted, I tried to write this, this is before I joined the Grio and Amsterdam News, but like, I wrote this op-ed about Queen Latifah, um, and nobody was interested in it. And I just thought that she was this amazing, it was the like 25th anniversary of, of the Black Rain album. And I was like, and she does all this like with her clothes on too. And she's not a size two. Like, I just thought it was fascinating. That she's this like amazing uh, artist and entertainer. Yeah, she's in Juice for Pete's sake. Like, she's been everywhere, but nobody was interested at the time. So I'm glad that she's getting her flowers. That Queen Latifah biopic is on the way. It's coming. Mm. Biopic. Biopic. However you say that. I say biopic. I don't know. If I say biopic. Say I don't like biopic, but whatever. 
Me either. Me yeah. either. Well, it sounds like a disease. <laughs> yeah, it just don't sound right. But I hear people say you know, it I just doesn't biotics. sound right. Right. You got to go well, on Tuesday for your biopics. Back in the 90s. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, I think we've reached a, a reasonable end to this discussion about Kwanzaa, but I want everybody to have an opportunity, some last thoughts, anything, uh, where you are with Kwanzaa now. I, well, Michael's already there, but I don't know. Any last final thoughts about Kwanzaa? I have some final thoughts. I will, I will bring up the rear on that one. Um, to close us all out. So, Christina, do you have any final thoughts about about this Kwanzaa conversation? I'm traveling this year, so I don't know if I'm if I'm going to say I'm going to sit down for all seven days. However, I am going to be cognizant, you know, with my candles and my canara. But I am going to be cognizant of the seven days, and I'm going to think about you too as I celebrate the seven days. Michael, I can't sing; I lip sing in church. But I'll think about something else to do creatively uh, as well to celebrate. Because I, I think it dovetails really beautifully, A, with what The Rio is doing, what the three of us try and do with our writing and our podcast. And I just think it's like a nice, seamless way to go into 2023 collectively. Sounds good. Michael, what about you? Yeah. Um, you know, it would be a fun, like, you can do it by yourself or with some family. Like, you can pick out a movie that exemplifies each one of the Kwanzaa principles. And that could be your Kwanzaa celebration for each day. Like, we're going to sit down or I'm going to sit down and watch a movie about unity or about self-determination or about, you know, collective work and responsibility. You could be imaginative and pick you a Kwanzaa movie or come up with your own Kwanzaa movie playlist that is your own celebration of Kwanzaa. Uh, Michael, you tasked me with the music list. I feel like since you put the movie list on the table, you got to come up with the movie list, the the seven day Kwanzaa movie list. I feel like you got to come up with that one. I'll take care of the music. You got to come oh. up with the movie list because that was a great idea. All like right, just right there, that. that was a great idea. Uh, yeah, we could do that. I plan on celebrating this year with my family again. Uh, I will try to find new inventive ways to actively do it as opposed to just the sitting down at the table, lighting a candle and trying to talk about unity with a with a six year old Um, probably would land a little better with some specific intentional activities and things like that. So I've been motivated in that way. And I hope more people participate. I mean, it's a it's a seven day um, celebration right after Christmas that is literally full of principles that I think we can all know, love and appreciate. And uh, I think as a black community, there's no reason not to engage in something that all brings us closer together that has unity literally as one of the principles. So, you know, hopefully we can, maybe we can get Kwanzaa to be more of a popular, more of a commonplace occurrence in the black community. Uh, Cause why not? Why not? Why not? All right. Well, I want to thank exactly. you all for being here on Dear Culture, which is an original podcast of the Grill Black Podcast Network. Uh, I am your host, Panama Jackson. The show is produced by Sasha Armstrong. Regina Griffin is our managing editor of podcasts. I want to thank Christina Greer, Michael Hare for joining us for this conversation. My name is Panama Jackson. Have a black one.